0: imagine there's something you're trying not to do it's some behavior you're trying to change it could be smoking but i want to do something a little less real as an example let's say you're addicted to pez (laughs) you're sitting at home you're out of pez And you think, you know what, I'm going to get in the car, I'm going to drive down to the store, get some Pez, drive back here, pig out. And then you say, you know what, no, I'm not going to do it. I've been trying to kick this bad habit, and tonight's the night, I'm not going to do it. So you scratch that idea and you uh, watch some TV or whatever you do. And a little bit of time goes by and you say, you know what, I gotta go take a drive. So you hop in the car, you drive around. Actually you've only been in the car a few minutes and you start thinking, oh you know what? I gotta pick up some milk. I'm almost out of milk. <laughs> what am I gonna do for breakfast tomorrow? I gotta eat those fruit loops. And so you head to the store. To pick up some milk. Now you go into the store, while you're there, you think, you know what? Halloween's coming up next year. I should probably stock up, right? Why why wait 10 months? (laughs) See, you got your gallon of milk. Maybe you didn't even grab it. Maybe you forgot you went there for it. you figure, I'll go grab some Reese's Pieces. Is that how you say that? Oh, man, that makes me think of Ian and Jolt and Star Control on Sega Genesis. And this must have been the best summer of my life because I, I go back to it all the time. It must have been between 6th and 7th grade hanging out with Ian. So you're in the candy aisle. You're looking for a... Jumbo bag of Reese's pieces so that you can have something to give the kids uh, in 10 months when Halloween arrives. And, uh, you know, the Pez is right in front of me. Uh, should I, uh, maybe I, well, you know what, if I decide to have it later, I'd have to come out again. You know what, I'm not actually going to have it, but I know that at some point I'm going to end up having them again. So why make two trips? So you forgot the milk, and you know what? Halloween isn't for a while. Who am I kidding? I'm gonna hold off on the candy, except um, I'm gonna pick up the Pez, so that next time I need Pez, I don't, I don't have to make another trip. Why waste the gas? I'm thinking ahead, and so you go and you buy your Pez, and you you get in the car and you open it up and you eat it. Have you ever had that experience? I have had experiences like that where. I swear to God it's it's too it's too perfect and I think it's it's surreal is one of those kind of little overused words, a little cliche. It feels like a puppet pulling the strings, doesn't it? I didn't used to believe in this sort of Freudian idea that your subconscious could engage in acts of like deduction. It couldn't have a, a plan. The idea is you're engaging in a logical behavior based on a goal that your subconscious had, but you didn't know anything about it. You were just kind of being directed by your subconscious. I didn't used to buy that. I, I certainly buy the idea that we are driven by goals we we don't know about. That, that seems clear as day to me. But the idea that there was thinking going on, almost like there was almost a superior mind behind the curtain, that didn't make any sense to me. I buy that more and more. And these types of experiences where (laughs) you decide you're not going to have Pez tonight, but you keep having these ideas for these like little proximal goals. These little tiny goals. You know what? I'm going to take a ride. You know what? I'm going to stop at the store. You know what? I'm going to stop in the candy alley. You know what? I'm going to pick up the Pez, but I'm not going to eat it. And then you get in the car and you eat it. And what you actually did is you got in the car. You drove straight to the store. You went in and grabbed the candy. It was the first thing you did in there. You bought it. You drove out to the car. And before you start the car, you eat the Pez. And the entire time you were telling yourself you were doing this, you were doing that, you were doing all these other things. And like I said, you probably forgot to even pick up the milk. Like it it was such a pretext that you you forgot to do it once you were there. So that's my first idea here. This is, it's the idea that there are proximal goals. Or at least the, that's the best language I can think of right now to, to talk about it. Now, that was applying this idea to addiction and where you were having like a proximal goal and each proximal goal was really just the step in achieving some larger goal. And in that scenario, they're all just pretexts. But that isn't really essential to the the story I want to tell here. My point here is that I think there are proximal goals, and what I mean by that is basically like what feel like um, local goals, goals the objective for which you actually are aware of, but then there's like this larger goal behind the scenes that you're not even aware of, you never have to be aware of, but... It's actually why you have this proximal goal. Now, in terms of addiction, that's kind of easy to see. There was this... Something behind the scenes wanted you to eat some pez. And so it gave you all these proximal goals, I'm calling them. In that case, they were pretexts. But in this case, when I talk about ridicule, I want to invoke a different type of proximal goal. It's not... A proximal goal where the larger goal is something that you're trying to avoid, which is the case with addiction or just some negative behavior. But in this case, it's more like the evolutionary background goal that you just, your proximal goal, your desire for it was selected because it achieved these evolutionary goals of, you know, propagating your genetics into the next generation, but you're never thinking about that. And so some obvious examples, sex. You know, sex doesn't make any sense from an evolutionary point of view if you are wearing a condom. Now, the condom has no implications for the proximal goal. I mean, I suppose maybe it has a little bit, like maybe you think it interferes to some degree with, you know, how much you enjoy it. But nonetheless, it doesn't substantially thwart that goal. It completely negates the evolutionary goal of having offspring. Now, I guess we could say that there's more to it than that. You know, there's bonding or something that occurs. But obviously the main thrust (laughs) of sex is to have offspring. And so if you're preventing that from happening, you're thwarting the larger evolutionary goal because all you're aware of is this smaller proximal local goal of you know sexual gratification it's another one where i'm not writing things down i'm not reading this i've been thinking about it i've been mulling it over Would it be clearer if I had written it? I don't know. It's actually a lot of work to write something out, and then I don't end up actually reading it anyway. sweet tooth is another example. People drink diet soda, and they're not getting those calories. They're not getting the sugar that was the purpose of consuming sweet-tasting foods in the environment of evolutionary adaptation. A sweet tooth was selected for because sweetness indicated the presence of sugar and in the environment in which we evolved, calories and sugar were scarce. And so you wanted the organism, if you're evolution, you want that organism to want that sugar. And so you imbue them with you bestow upon them within them a desire for sweet tasting foods. And they never know that you gave that to them so that they would not be able to stop eating pez. <laughs> what the fuck does this have to do with ridicule? Joe Scarborough, I watched Morning Joe. Kind of embarrassed to say that because it's it's like I don't know, there's a bunch of reasons, but it's just, for some reason, it's like a comfortable thing to put on in the morning when I'm just, you know, fueling up with coffee. Constantly ridiculing the president. My question is, for some reason this popped into my head the other day, a couple weeks ago maybe. What is the function of ridicule? Now, here's the first answer that I think someone is likely to posit. Here's our first hypothesis. The function of ridicule is to change the behavior of the ridiculed. The ridiculer is attempting to alter the behavior of the ridiculed. And they're attempting to do that by you know, persuading them that the thing they're saying is ridiculous or the thing they're doing is ridiculous, the policy they're pursuing is ridiculous, etc. So there's our kind of low-hanging fruit explanation. The one that I think feels the most intuitive, seems the most obvious. And then the question is, why is Joe Scarborough engaging in ridicule of the president when he knows that that ridicule is not going to shape the president's behavior? I mean, we got a weird president, he might watch Joe Scarborough and then do something wacky. But generally speaking, we can take for granted that this ridicule is not probably even reaching the ridiculed person. They're probably not watching. Even if they are, they're not going to change course because of some guy on a morning show. So that's the first dilemma when you're thinking about this is... Hypothesis one is that the function of ridicule is to change the perception that the ridiculed person has of themselves and their policy and their positions and to thereby alter their behavior. They're going to say, oh, okay, this is a ridiculous policy. I'm going to change it now. But given that that can't happen here, why would Joe Scarborough be doing it? Well, our first move can be, maybe, in the environment in which we evolved, the function of ridicule was for the ridiculer to alter the behavior of the ridiculed. And in the world in which we evolved, you know, we lived in nomadic hunter-gatherer groups of a few dozen people. This is the world in which our minds were formed. In which are proximal goals evolved? Maybe in that world, the ridiculer could, with some regularity, actually alter the behavior of the ridiculed because it was face to face. We live in a really different world where, you know, we can mass manufacture condoms and sugar and we have technology that allows ridicule to be broadcast to people who aren't present and maybe even watching. And so maybe this is just a matter of Joe Scarborough has, and I mean just anybody would, and Joe Scarborough and I mean this would be true of, so let's say about all of us, so maybe it's the case that we all have some desire to engage in ridicule, maybe we have that desire, because in the world in which we evolved, ridiculing someone actually changed their behavior, because it was face-to-face, and you know, kind of implicitly here, that would have at least some little bit of an effect on us successfully propagating our genes. Maybe we ridiculed them about, you know, you don't belong with that girl, I do. <laughs> Whatever the hypothetical, the scenario is you want to come up with. The point is that having this proximal goal of experiencing the pleasure of emitting ridicule actually had an effect in the world. And so we ended up having. A desire to engage in ridicule be a goal that we actually have. Comparable to sex, comparable to the sweet tooth, there's this proximal local goal. There's this larger evolutionary background goal. It's being thwarted by technology. I guess the sweet tooth isn't being thwarted, right? It's almost being like sated tenfold (laughs) you know it's it's maladaptive in in the world we live in and and that's beside the point right okay so so that makes some sense i don't think it's right that's hypothesis one and it's sort of buttressed by this concept of proximal goals because hypothesis one is while we're trying to change the person's behavior there's this problem in this particular scenario of you know person on tv ridiculing a politician whose behavior is not going to change how do you reconcile that with this claim that the function of ridicule is to alter people's behavior well you reach for this concept of proximal goals bestowed on us by evolution it's analogous to sex You still get the pleasures of sex wearing a condom, even though it thwarts the larger evolutionary goal. You still get the pleasures of ridicule when you're on TV and you're talking to the president, even when the technological... Maybe it's a little different, right? Maybe the analogy breaks down there, right? Because it's more like... (laughs) It would be like... The condom... I guess it's analogous to pornography, maybe. Any anyway, rate, who cares? You get the point. Hypothesis 2, I think, is a clever move. Hypothesis 2 is that it actually isn't about changing the person's behavior anyway. So we don't even have to reach for this idea of proximal goals. Hypothesis 2 is that the function of ridicule is to change the behavior and attitudes of... I wanted to call this the chorus. Like the... I was thinking of it like the people who aren't a member of the president's team or Joe Scarborough's team. In other words, the public that's watching. I looked that up, and I guess the Greek chorus wasn't quite as... Like there are actually actors who are part of the play who might narrate something to the... I thought it was like, I thought it was the audience. So hypothesis two is that the audience for the ridiculed (laughs) is the audience. The objective is not to change the, the behavior of the ridiculed person. It's basically to say, you know, hey, disinterested public hey people who aren't members of that team or this team you probably want to side with me on this one because that guy is ridiculous so maybe the function of ridicule is to alter the behaviors of the people who aren't a party to the ridicule exchange <laughs> that's hypothesis two there's a third hypothesis. In the third hypothesis, the function of ridicule, it's not about the ridiculed. It's not about the public. It's about strengthening the cohesion of your own group. Joe Scarborough is talking to the people who already agree with him. Notice how this renders the situation actually much more coherent. There's no problem to solve really here. With hypothesis one it was, why is he engaging in this behavior if it's not going to have the effect that makes ridicule advantageous evolutionarily? Well, with Hypothesis 2, already we've seen that, well, we don't really have to worry about that anymore. There's no problem now, because he's talking to the public. But you know what? It isn't really... The problem doesn't really go away, because... Not just anybody is watching the show. It's, it's people who already agree with him. Like, I think the president's pretty ridiculous. When he's not being ridiculous, he's being cruel. There's something that makes me feel better about seeing him ridiculed. And so I said strengthening cohesion. You know, I think it probably... That isn't how I feel when I watch it. But I think that is one of the effects you kind of feel like this is my team and those guys over there are kind of silly. Okay, so so that's hypothesis one, two, and three about what ridicule might be all about, what its function is. Obviously, it's probably all the above. <laughs> like so many things, you come up with a bunch of ideas and then it turns out it's sort of a basket of all of the above and probably, you know, for one purpose over here, and then for another purpose over there, and it could be serving more than one function at the same time. What does ridicule do? This is my last few thoughts. Like, what happens when ridicule is, (laughs) I keep saying emitted, that's not really the word I want, but, you know, enunciated? Promulgated? For the people who aren't kind of on the team of the people issuing the ridicule for the people who I guess might be thought of as the ones being ridiculed. It causes anxiety. It causes defensiveness, maybe resentment, but I'm more interested in this sort of defensive reaction. I'll have this with, it could be anything. A friend put up something about the Electoral College recently. The idea was, like, what a great thing it is. (laughs) Now, I've looked at this question before. It's not something that I'm really that unsure about. I don't have, like, you know, instant recall of every argument against it. But it's pretty clear that it's basically, it just picks a couple of states and randomly makes them important. Why would we want that? It doesn't make the candidates go to the small states. That doesn't actually happen. The arguments for it are just, they don't actually make sense. That's really the argument. It's not really about, you know, it helps this party or that party. It's actually just incoherent. (laughs) It's like this clunky thing that doesn't even work the way it's supposed to. But when I see the thing that's kind of ridiculing the idea that it's a bad thing, the Electoral College... For some reason, I don't just shrug it off. I can't entirely shrug it off. For you know, a little while afterward, I'm trying to remember what the arguments are about it. So that's the first thing. It's motivating. It causes you to feel like, first off, you're you're kind of anxious, kind of stressed out. You feel threatened. And so now you've got to come up with the arguments against what the ridiculer said. So it's motivating for the ridiculed. Well, what about for the people who are on the team of the ridiculer? Makes you feel great. Makes you feel relieved. Doesn't it? What's funny about it is it actually reduces your motivation. It causes you to feel like you don't have to come up with some arguments. First off, The ridiculer is probably giving you some arguments that you feel like you can just defer to. And it sort of dissipates the sense of threat, right? You feel like, no, your group has a response. Or, you know, you maybe at least feel something like, no, I'm right about this thing because... I don't want to, you don't want to be too logical about it. You just feel better about your position because, again, the because is the problem. I keep hesitating on that. It's not like there's really an argument here. It's like, oh, well, Joe Scarborough has the same position, so it must be right. Like, that isn't an argument. But you feel better just knowing that somebody else has the same position. And so it just it dissipates any sense of threat or defensiveness. Well, that's what I got about ridicule.